The poetry this morning, the inspired words from the psalmist, chapter 24, verse 1 and 2. Hear now the reading of these words. The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants too, because God is the one who established it on the seas. God set it firmly on the waters. Here ends the reading. May God grant us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Recently, I attended one of those sort of mandatory continuing education courses that ministers, well, we must attend in order to maintain standing uh, with one of the religious denominations I have affiliation with. And uh, they call these sorts of meetings that I attended boundary training classes. Now, I'll admit the material was a bit dated. Um, We discussed the proper response a minister should make to all sorts of complicated ethical scenarios, some of which weren't all that complicated, if I'm being honest. Most of it was fairly predictable, with no great surprises really at all. That is, until we got to a hypothetical question on how ministers would react if someone physically assaulted one of our own family members. Now keep in mind, the course facilitators, as well as the participants, are all colleagues of mine and clergy, which is precisely why I was so shocked when one of the course facilitators said, well, I know this is not very Christian of me, but I would find a way to hurt the person back who hurt my family member. And before anyone else could say anything, a minister in the back of the room said, no need to apologize. I'd do the very same thing and make that person sorry. After all, you can mess with me. You can mess with my possessions. Just don't mess with my family or I'll do everything within my power to protect them, including hurting someone else. Now, the point of me sharing this story is not to judge or ostracize these ministers for their violent sounding responses. I did manage, however, you know me, to suggest gently at the meeting that one could still protect their family member without resorting to physical violence and that it would prolong their ministerial careers if they avoided punching or shooting another human being. And that I was fairly certain that when Jesus said, love your enemies, at the very least, he meant not to kill them or do them bodily harm. At the very least. So can you see why they love me at these meetings? Now, I tell the story simply for the purpose of illustrating that when human beings feel a deep sense of connection, in this example, the connection of being members of the same family, protecting them fiercely is just a natural reaction and heartfelt response. Now, sadly, many human beings do not realize our deep connection to Mother Earth and therefore do little to nothing to protect or defend Mother Earth. But the truth is that everyone and every living thing is connected and that we are inextricably bound to one another and bound to the earth in the deepest and most profound of ways, even though we might not defend creation as readily as we would members of our immediate family, we're still connected just as closely. And we are reminded by the psalmist here in chapter 24 that it all belongs to God. The earth, everything in it, 
all of its inhabitants, that we're all wrapped up in the divine splendor of creation as one fabric woven together of many different types of strands. Human beings are not separate from the environment. Human beings are a part of the environment, and we are just one of many parts. The late Mary Oliver illustrated our connectedness to the earth and one another in her epic poem titled Wild Geese, which I share with you now. She said, you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about your despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of all things. When we human beings interpret ourselves as superior and separate in relationship to the rest of creation, we're not only living in denial, but we're also lying to ourselves and creating a false narrative where we act as the centers of our own universe. In spiritual language, Human beings are making idols of ourselves when we live this way and are not loving our neighbors, which include, by the way, the plants and the animals, the air, the soil, and our, as ourselves. So to imagine our own futures as human beings, as somehow disconnected from the fate of the earth, is anti-God, it's anti-science, it's anti-order, and thus pro-chaos, and it's just flat-out anti-neighbor. But to accept the interconnectedness of all living things and to become an actively aware partner with the rest of creation is to work for the unity of God, for the unity of creation, for the unity of our neighborhoods, and ultimately to become agents of God's peace, which passes all human understanding. Hear the words of the psalmist again. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and its inhabitants too, because God is the one who established it and set it on the waters. Now in this proclamation, we are included, not with special status or standing, but alongside the other inhabitants of the earth. We are told by the psalmist and we're reminded that we belong to God and therefore we belong to one another and therefore we belong to the earth in the psalmist's view of the universe. Now, we Christians, we often bring to other scriptures a rather faulty interpretation of one of the creation stories from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And we read from that verse what we think is an accurate representation into the other ways we read all of the other scriptures in the whole of the Bible that have to deal with creation. Some English translations of the Bible in Genesis 1.26, they used a word way back there that we've been wrestling with all these centuries, the word dominion dominion over parts of creation. And some would assume that that word 
of instruction for human beings to take dominion over creation would mean to control it or to be in charge of it or to be the master of it. But actually today, most scholarship is agreeing that a more accurate translation, even to the original Hebrew language, would read something like this. Let us make humankind in our own image, according to our likeness, so that they may exercise skilled mastery among or with respect to, not in dominion over, the fish of the sea and among the birds of the air. Most other places in the Hebrew and Christian scriptures, we are seeing the people of God, that is, in connection to creation, not as masters of it, but as working in it and alongside it for the purposes of redemption, preservation, and restoration. This past Friday, inspired by 16-year-old Swedish climate activist Greta Thunberg, it is estimated that as many as 4 million people may have participated worldwide at over 2,500 events in over 163 different countries. They marched, they stood to raise awareness for what scientists, religious leaders, and ethicists are calling the greatest threat of our lifetimes, climate change. Now, there may be minor disagreements among scientists as to how much of climate change human beings are contributing to with this deadly warming trend of the planet, but there is virtually no dispute among scientists that deal with these topics uh, as to what is happening, and that is that the planet is warming. The only people denying this reality that the earth and her air and her waters are warming happen to be partisan politicians who are trying to please their base who often own businesses which profit at the expense of the environment. Now, it was Jesus who raised the uncomfortable question that rings in my ear as I think about sacrificing the quality of the planet for the sake of profit. Jesus raised a very uncomfortable question. What does it profit a person to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? I'm grateful for many of my own friends and colleagues who marched this past Friday, even here in Oklahoma, because Oklahoma, unfortunately, is one of the weakest states in the nation when it comes to protecting the beauty that we've been entrusted with. Oklahomans have our work cut out for us when it comes to being people who protect the environment for many reasons. Let's just cut to the chase, the largest of which is our dependence on petroleum industries for our local economies. Many of us work for big oil or gas companies, and our very paychecks are tied up very tightly into this very complex situation, and we feel the stress being torn two directions, providing for our families and also caring then for the environment. Our state in years past has gone to great lengths to secure ongoing business with oil and gas companies by lowering gross production tax uh, on wells beneath the surface here in our state. And then in efforts to recoup some of the revenues lost, we have frequently received monies from outside our state boundaries to allow other states to come into Oklahoma and inject their well water into our ground, into some of our most vulnerable seismic fault lines, rapidly causing increases in the number of earthquakes, not to mention the challenges to our drinking water and supplies. On the western side of the state, eight large coal-driven power plants from Texas emit a constant source of pollution into our air, lakes, and streams, and are presenting many challenges, even that are brought into our state by the air. 
In the northeast part of Oklahoma, runoff from chicken farms and pesticides used by farmers that are almost entirely unregulated in Oklahoma are causing major problems with rapidly rising mercury levels in some of the beautiful reservoirs that make Oklahoma so well known for our natural beauty. The only part of our state with ample water supply, I'm told, is southeastern Oklahoma, but sadly, there is no infrastructure to, in place to get some of that ample water to other parts of the state, like western Oklahoma, where droughts are a serious threat from time to time. If I had more time, we could talk more about how some of these environmental threats are taking their tolls on specific species of wildlife and plants, but alas, sermons can only go on so long before someone suggests it's more of a hostage situation. Now, by now, some of you are likely starting to feel like all of this is just so overwhelming. The temptation then becomes to do nothing in response because we just feel so overwhelmed and like it's a problem we just can't really even make a, a dent in. Now that might have been some of our responses on this topic in the past, whether consciously or subconsciously. The enormity of the crisis that we're facing is so huge. And yet because we believe somehow that our own fate as human beings is separate from the fate of the planet, we have acted with little to no urgency. Now before I break out the smelling salts and wave it under your noses and such, I want you to hear me. We don't have to understand it all to become a part of the healing process. We don't even have to have it all settled in our own minds as to whether or not we can turn around climate change or whether or not in the grand scheme of things it will do any good or if it's too late. Separate separate all the big picture hypothetical scenarios for just a minute and I want you just to think about these questions as I ask them to you right now. Let me ask you this. What self-respecting decent human being of faith or no faith at all for that matter would not want cleaner air, water, and soil than we have right now? What decent human being would not be willing to make some small adjustments in their own personal habits if it could mean a better life for their children, for their grandchildren and great-grandchildren? If you take out all of the political talking points, if you take out all of the social media jockeying, if you just boil it down to being a decent human being who realizes that for every action there is a host of reactions, it makes it a lot simpler. So for the people of the Christian faith, if you just boil down protecting the environment as a part of our Christian discipleship, it gets simpler. When you remember that we are all connected and that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, along with all of its inhabitants, and that together we all belong to God, that keeps it in perspective. Everything is God's and therefore everything is sacred. And we, my friends, have been given a sacred trust, not only to care for one another, but for the planet and everything in it. So what practical things can we do? Now, this might be review for a good many of you, and if it is, I say, thank goodness. But for others, and in case you're like me, you need reminders, I want you to think about three words. And if you have the wherewithal to pull out your smartphone and type this into a note, you've got my blessing. You're not surfing the internet. For all I know, you're writing this down. Or if you have a piece of paper, write down just three words. Take these words with you and think about them this week. Number one, reduce. Number two, reuse. And number three, recycle.
Reduce, reuse, recycle. These are three words that make up what some call the waste hierarchy. And so when you go to the drive-thru, for example, to get your food on the run, do you really need a drink carrier if you're going to take all of the drinks out of that drink carrier immediately and hand them to all of the people who are already sitting in your car? You probably don't need a drink carrier for that. You can hand it to them right back or tell them in the first place, I don't need a drink carrier, and you have reduced waste. So what if you could, uh, you know, what if you had to take the drink carrier and, and you got it home? Is there another purpose for it? Those are the kind of questions you ask. Could I use it as padding inside a box that I'm going to ship to Aunt Gertie down in Florida? Maybe I could. If not, and you have it laying around, lastly, recycle, whether it's a drink carrier or whatever else you have. But recycling shouldn't be the first thing we go to. It's the third thing we go to. Not the last thing, but the third thing we go to after we try to do those other two R's. And so it should, these should be a part of our life. Reducing, reusing, recycling as a daily aspect, not of some other person's uh, political talking points, but as a, a part of our Christian discipleship and stewards of the earth. Now, I'm only touching on a narrow, tiny little swath of what it means as people of faith to defend this earth and to protect it. But going back to the beginning of the message, to the story about my minister colleagues, you remember that, and, and your obstinate pastor, who were ready to fight would-be attackers of their, of their own family members, we could use just a bit of the nonviolent portions of that same ferocity in protecting the environment. In the grand scheme of things, it might be about the temperature of planet, but in the daily scheme of things, it has to be about revisioning the way that we see ourselves in connection to the rest of creation. We are all connected to one another, the earth, to the air, to each other, to the water, to the soil, to the air we breathe. We walk on it, we farm it, we drink it, we play in it, we live in it. We are one world family along with all of creation. And when one part of our one world family suffers, we all suffer. And when one part celebrates or thrives, we all celebrate or thrive together. Over the 24 years of my ministry, I've often made it a habit to ask people, where do you most easily experience the divine? Where do you feel the closest to God? And you know something? Usually after a brief moment of reflection, at least one of the first few answers people give me is when I'm outside. It might be while they're hiking or gazing at the starlit skies. It might be when they're golfing. Obviously, they've never golfed with me. It might be when they're fishing. It might be when they're laying on a blanket next to their children or their grandchildren. On a beach or in a field, just being present in the moment with someone they love and staring off at the beauty of creation subconsciously. It might be the reverence that they experience as they sit around a campfire and the embers of that fire glow and dance in the dark. It might be the breathtaking sunrise or sunset which fills the sky with varying hues of red or gold or pink or silver. We find the sacred so well when we find ways to connect directly to it. And while it would be easy to become cynical and to say, well, what's the use of trying to change anything? We've already made such a mess of it or we can't make a difference anyway. These moments of divine inspiration that we experience in these direct connections to the earth are like medicine for the soul. They're like a healing balm 
They're literally cool streams of grace flowing upon the sun-scorched skin of our weary, often cynical bodies. We must fight the urge to become cynical, especially when it comes to caring for the earth. I want to leave you today reminded of our connectedness to the earth and inspired to do our part. So I want to leave you with yet another poem, the words of Wendell Berry in his poem, The Peace of Wild Things. I pray they speak to your heart and nourish your soul half as much as they do mine. Berry wrote, When despair grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting for their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and I am free. Friends, may we find all of the inspiration and determination we need to protect this incredible home in response to the grace and freedom we have been given. Amen.